Okay, Let's see if we can remember how to do this. Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Eric Bowl, the Director of Public Affairs. We are finally back to you after taking a few weeks off here. We've been all over the place, uh, having a bunch of conferences and getting ready for the state fair. But uh, I am back here this week to talk with Spencer Tuma, our Director of National Legislative Programs. Um, Spencer, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks. It's great to be back. It's been a busy couple of weeks. That's for sure. And right now uh, we have the State Fair going on. There's um, a lot of people from our office over there. If anybody is able to make it by uh, in the next week or so to the fair, it runs through the 18th of August. And the Missouri Farm Bureau (laughs) building at the Missouri State Fair has a lot of great um, things to come by and see, register to win the lawnmower and see some information about pollinators and all sorts of other things. So we definitely encourage you to get over there if you have the opportunity. But one of the main things that uh, we've been talking about while we've uh, had our little bit of a break here is the issues surrounding trade. I know we've talked about those a lot, but there have been some major developments um, just in the past few days even on trade. Um, What are we uh, hearing on that? You know, let's start um, with the biggest issue, you know, the biggest um, country that we're working with is China. Uh, what have been the developments on that and where do we stand right now? So no surprise, there's been a lot go on with international trade while we've taken a little bit of a break from the podcast. Um, things for a while uh, were going pretty well with China. At the end of June, President Trump and President Xi agreed to a I'll call it a tariff truce. Basically, they said that they weren't going to impose any more new tariffs and in turn the Chinese would would not do that either. Uh, Talks continued. There were a couple rounds of negotiations, both over the phone and in person. Uh, We did see just a couple of weeks ago, President Trump announced that he would levy additional 10% tariffs on many Chinese goods that would go into effect as of September 1st. And that was to, um, I I never really gathered, and I, I don't know that it's really been reported. I don't think there was a breakdown in the negotiations. I think there were just some things that weren't moving quite as quickly as they wanted to. Yeah, it sounded like some real frustrations. And there were, there were some rumors that the Chinese um, negotiators had been sort of backtracking at the last minute, trying mm-hmm. to change things. But it sounded more like President Trump got frustrated with the lack of progress. Right? right. Yeah, that was my understanding. So it wasn't a total breakdown in negotiations, but that announcement did trigger some retaliation from the Chinese. Um, unfortunately, they did announce earlier this week, uh, late last week, that they would not be buying any additional agricultural products as long as the tariffs remain in place. Mm-hmm. So that is obviously a huge blow to the U.S. agriculture industry. China is a very large market for our agricultural goods. We have lost a lot of that market due to the situation surrounding uh, intellectual property threat, theft and theft of our trade secrets and technologies. There's been a lot of back and forth, and our markets have really suffered. Uh, Unfortunately, it looks like we may be um, in for some more negative impacts because of the recent announcement. Yeah, and then the uh, Chinese government also allowed their currency to be devalued somewhat Mm -hmm. um, a few days back, and that really has roiled the stock markets because it sounds like a lot of the the economists looking at this see this as a um, crossing into a new, new territory as far as the trade war goes, because generally um, countries have been keeping their currency out of these wars. Mm -hmm. They've really just been been dealing with tariffs and um, free trade agreements, that type of thing, and not involving currency manipulation. But now that the Chinese have opened the door to that, they're really afraid, it sounds like. Um, Not not so much that 
this specific um, change was going to make that much of a difference, but the fact that it might signal now we're opening the door to doing more of that mm-hmm. is what could be a problem. So it sounds like that really um, worried a lot of people. Yeah, and I think negotiations are still going to continue with China, but obviously things are much more complicated now. Uh, President Trump has been pretty defensive of agriculture, saying that agriculture has to be part of any deal um, that is negotiated with China and others. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't look like they're going to be making any purchases from us here anytime soon, unless something changes. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And, you know, of course, we're getting into harvest time coming up on harvest. So um, it'll be really interesting to see how this moves forward. Definitely so. Well, another thing that is coming up with the timeline um, over the next few weeks and months is the USMCA, which is the proposed uh, revision to the free trade agreement uh, among Canada, the United States, and Mexico. Mm -hmm. Um, We are still kind of in a holding pattern on that, but where do we stand? Yeah, so actually, you know, a lot of really positive movement on USMCA uh, looking towards the fall. So right now, Congress is actually out of Washington, D.C. on what's called August recess or the August district work period, as some people call it. Um, So they're not actually in Washington passing bills at the moment. But I know a lot of members of Congress from Missouri and from other states are hearing about the positive impacts that USMCA will have for agriculture and other industries across the board. So we are hopeful that when Congress returns the week of Labor Day, that they will introduce and ultimately pass the USMCA through the House and Senate. And I want to give everybody an idea just about the process that has to be done. So USMCA has been public, the text has been public since the end of last year, which is when all of it was originally agreed to preliminarily by the US, Mexico, and Canada. What we're doing now is there had to be some reports made. All of those have been made, and that's based on a timeline that's set through Trade Promotion Authority, which gives the administration the authority to negotiate trade agreements on behalf of the country. Right now, we are waiting for the Trump administration to submit what's called an implementing bill to Congress. And basically, the bill says... Now we're doing USMCA, and here are the provisions, and NAFTA is subsequently withdrawn. That is all the bill does. All it does is put it into effect. So it's not like we're really waiting on any of the main details of the deal to be worked out, because we already know what they are. Mm -hmm. But once that implementing bill is introduced, it starts a 90-day clock, whereas Congress has to take action on the agreement within 90 legislative days. Mm -hmm. And um, the... I guess there are some things that are still being negotiated, but those are really more side agreements um, that might be sort of tacked on as a handshake deal or as a separate piece of legislation or something like that, um, that, uh, like, say, the labor unions have had some real problems Mm -hmm. with some of the way that the language had looked. But they're not really renegotiating the draft, the the substantive language of the USMCA, because that's sort of the point of this is, Trade Promotion Authority, like you mentioned, is a federal law that Congress passed that sets up a procedure to do uh, free trade deals um, in a way that allows just an up or down vote Mm -hmm. in Congress rather than having to go through the full amendment process because it's basically impossible to do that and then come out the back end with an agreement that can be agreed upon by all the other countries. So Right. And the reason, you know, I think we have to talk about the players who are at the table right mm-hmm. now, because that has a lot to do with this right. timeline. So Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, really holds most of the cards in her hand at this point, because she is the one 
who has the power to bring the bill before the House, which is where it has um, probably the most difficulty getting passed. Trade agreements are historically really hard to pass anyway, no hard, no matter who's in the White House. Um, but we have a Democratic-controlled House, so Pelosi really holds a lot of the cards. The Trump administration, in my mind, they're not going to submit the bill to her to bring it before Congress unless they know she's going to bring it up for a vote, because she could just sit on it and never bring it up. Mm-hmm. And so right. that that's where that's why we're waiting. And I think if you haven't been following this, you may not understand how that works. But once Pelosi ha- is satisfied with the terms of those side agreements that you mentioned, which I think there are maybe six or seven items that she and those in her party have identified that they would like to see improvements made upon. Those conversations are ongoing right now here in August recess. So they will um, they will work through those provisions, and then once she says, okay, this is satisfactory, then the Trump administration can submit the bill knowing that she will bring it up for a vote. Right, right. So, yeah, and you definitely wouldn't want to submit it and start that clock running if you didn't know that um, Speaker Pelosi was going to act on it. Right. Because then all she'd have to do is sit on it and wait out the clock if yeah. she didn't want it to happen. So um, definitely kind of a trying to um, – strategize this mm-hmm. thing and yes. like, make sure it Good works word. correctly. Thank you. <laughs> um, the, uh, the, on the other side of the, um, of the Atlantic, we have some issues going on as well, two different things. Let's start off talking about the um, European Union. Mm-hmm. Um, we had some pretty good news coming out of that over the past few days, too. Yeah, so positive news on the trade front, which is always really good. Um, the EU and the U.S. did come to an agreement on beef sales. So um, hopefully that's going to increase some of our export markets for beef and allow greater market access. Um, the EU is historically a little hard to work with on Mm -hmm. some agriculture issues when it comes to trade. Uh, But beef is a good first step. Mm -hmm. Uh, We hope that that sends a message that we do want to negotiate deals with the EU. uh, And hopefully that positive positive relationship will turn into trade agreements for other commodities as well. So we're Mm -hmm. really looking forward to seeing the impacts of that. Yeah, the EU is an enormous market. It's actually more populated than the United States. A lot of people don't realize that it's just as big as, as that. But a um, lot of potential customers there. So mm-hmm. hopefully this will just be the first of many things. Um, then the other issue, this is technically still part of the EU <laughs> for now. We're not really sure what the timeline is. Months. Yeah. But the uh, United Kingdom, um, uh-huh. now with their new Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, um, there's some news on the trade front with them as well. Right. So we've been monitoring this one for a little while, but with the um, with Brexit looming over the UK and, and them leaving the European Union, There is a pretty significant opportunity there for a free trade agreement with the United States. Uh, It was stated, I believe, earlier this week that um, the U.S. and the U.K. want to reach this deal as quickly as possible so that it can go into effect as soon after Brexit as they can basically get it off the ground. Mm -hmm. So um, I know there's initiative there. I'm not aware of any specific details about specific commodities or what the different sticking points may be with that agreement, Um, but it does look like that's a significant market for us and it is not going to replace what has been lost maybe by other markets but 
anytime somebody wants to buy U.S. agriculture products, we think it's a great idea. Right. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing seeing what happens. Yeah, and I think that the timeline for Brexit is what like the end of October. Is that right? It's kind With of a moving. I feel like it's kind of a moving target. Okay. Or, I, I, don't I haven't know, followed really. closely yeah. enough to remember the dates, but it's definitely before the end of the year that yeah. they're. Uh, Boris Johnson has said they're going to be out one way or another. Yeah. Either they get a deal to get out, or they just leave. Um, either way, whatever happens there. Whenever they sever ties with the European Union, that would also sever their ties to any trade agreements we had with the European Union uh-huh. and make them their own really truly independent nation again that we could then develop our own um, trade relationships with. So mm-hmm. definitely is a good opportunity. There's, I think, 60 to 80 million people in the UK. There, it's a large market and, and fairly affluent, so mm-hmm. would um, have the money to buy a lot of the products that we have. So. Yeah, it's a fairly developed economy. So definitely so. So we would uh, look forward to seeing more information on that in the next few weeks. Um, a little closer to home, um, you have been fairly busy over the past couple of weeks as well. Yeah. Um, a couple of things that we had just a few days ago with uh, some members of our congressional delegation. Sounds like they went pretty well. Could you tell us a little about them? For sure. So I mentioned that we are in August recess, which basically means that all of the members of Congress of the House and Senate are back in their districts or in the state if they're a senator. Um doing various events and networking with their constituents. So actually last week, I had the opportunity to go down to Sykeston, Missouri to meet with Congressman Jason Smith and EPA Administrator Andrew Wheeler, who happened to be attending as a special guest on Congressman Smith's farm tour. So that was a really good discussion. Had about 50 farmers there from Southeast Missouri and the Boot Heel uh, to really talk about issues that are facing that part of the state. Uh, But we've also had events, our Coffee with Congress series, which is designed to introduce Missouri Farm Bureau members to their member of Congress in a pretty casual format. Uh, We had an event earlier this week with Congressman Luke Kmeyer and then an event with Congresswoman Ann Wagner from the St. Louis area as well. So those were both really good events. We'll have a lot of opportunities to engage with our delegation as we look to the Missouri State Fair. A lot of members of Congress are having farm tours. So if you are a Missouri Farm Bureau member, definitely keep on the lookout for uh, a heads up about some of those events that Congress person's office might be reaching out to you to attend a roundtable, or uh, we might be reaching out to you at Farm Bureau to attend one of those events and would encourage you to engage with your member of Congress while they're back. Yeah, it makes a big difference to be able to um, sit down with them while they're not in the rush and hustle and bustle of Washington, D.C. So if you're able to do that, we definitely um, strongly encourage you to do so. Yeah. Um, the As we mentioned very, at the very opening, the Missouri State Fair is in full swing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot going on at the building and all across the fairgrounds. Um, what are you looking forward to the most about this year's Missouri State Fair? So Legislative Day at the State Fair does happen to be one of my favorite days of the year. <laughs> and I, as well. I think it is because we've probably talked about this before, but um, it's kind of like a high school reunion, except for all of your adult friends, because <laughs> they all come to the Missouri State Fair on Legislative Day. So going to the ham breakfast, and then we'll have a press conference in our building. Uh, we'll close out the day with um, lunch with Senator Blunt and his Ag Advisory Council. So uh, that's always a really fun day. Uh, but a couple of things I do really look forward to. Tiger Stripe ice cream mm-hmm. in the Mizzou building. Right next very, door to ours. Very good choice. Mm-hmm. A 25 cent milk at the Missouri Farm Bureau building. A uh, lot of different activities, a lot of good food. I always try to get a corn dog at <laughs> least one day at the Missouri State Fair. So there truly is something for everyone. Uh, please feel free to stop by our building if you're on the grounds. We have a lot of really interesting exhibits featuring pollinators and how farmers 
actually help pollinators in their everyday lives mm-hmm. and what you might be able to do to help pollinators also. Um, but there's there's carnival rides, there's cattle shows, there's pig shows, there's tractor pulls, there's concerts. So there's a lot come on, on out. Sedalia, Missouri is the place to be. Definitely so. And one other thing that we do have this year that's a little different from what we've had in the past um, is a new display in our building for um, it, displaying what a rollover protection system mm-hmm. looks like. And um, this is something that was inspired by the memory of Ralph Griesbaum, one of our longtime leaders from Marion County who tragically died in a rollover accident uh, about a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. actually just a year and two months ago. Um, and his family uh, decided that they wanted the memorial funds that were donated in Ralph's memory to go towards something that would help other people avoid the same fate. Um, yeah. So we worked with Stricker and with um, a bunch of different people who were involved in the effort to create this full-sized um, tractor display that you can go sit on it, mm-hmm. buckle yourself in, see what it feels like, see what it looks like to be on a, a tractor with a rollover protection system. So we definitely encourage you to come and check that out and figure out how it is you can do get your tractor retrofit if it doesn't have a system like that already. Um, we recorded a podcast uh, to uh, get out to you in the next few days. You'll be hearing that one that is with Ralph's daughter, Lacey Miller. I think you'll really enjoy hearing that because it's a very um, touching story. Mm-hmm. And I think that the the family is really encouraged by the positive that could come out of the tragedy. So yeah. um, definitely encourage people to come by and see that. Absolutely. It's definitely um, a really... Um, it's a heart-wrenching display, but also very informative. And so I think everybody who stops in, you can't miss it when you come in the door. <laughs> That's for sure. I, it's, it's very big. So That's for um, sure. we're really looking forward to having that in our building for years to and come. And it was interesting to get it in the building, too. <laughs> uh, that's what I've heard, but I have to say I was not uh, present for it. I'm glad so. <laughs> I was not present. They had to take the wheels off and everything. So yeah. good to have farmers when they're doing that. That's right. There's a lot of mechanics involved. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us. Um, appreciate the time um, to discuss all of these issues. I'm sorry that it's taken a couple of weeks to get back to you, but we'll be um, back in a few days with that interview with Lacey and then hopefully back to our regular schedule. That sounds great. Well, have fun at the fair and we look forward to talking to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Spencer. Bye.